like to invite Pastor Mark to come up today. Up here? Up here. I know I need to stand up here, but you probably should too. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Hey, welcome again. It does it for I'm Pastor Mark, and it's great to see you here again. Uh, come and say hi to us after the service, uh, Pastor Jeremy and I. Love to connect with you and see how we can serve you. We are in the series here in Lent that we're calling Places of the Passion. And we're actually talking about places that Jesus mentions. And it's been really interesting to me this year to go through these uh, readings again as we get up, you know, get ready for Easter again. Uh, but with kind of this different perspective, you know, last week Jesus mentioned Jerusalem. He cried out, he lamented, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right? If only you would come to me, I would protect you with my own body, with my own life as a hen protects her, her chicks, but you would not. And today, Jesus mentions another place, a place called Siloam. And Siloam was a neighborhood on the south side of Jerusalem, south side of town. And Luke's gospel, uh, Jesus uh, tells us that this tower had collapsed and killed 18 people in that neighborhood of Jerusalem. And he's talking about this event in the context of, well, it's this discourse that he's having with his people on repentance and the importance of personal repentance. As a matter of fact, we we mentioned it last week, the whole chapter, Luke chapter 13, is, the whole emphasis there is, is repentance. It is so important. Uh, so let's jump in with uh, verse one. So there were some people who were with Jesus uh, and they said, hey, breaking news, news alert. There were some Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. In other words, there were some Galileans, some Jews had come to the temple to offer their animal sacrifices and Pilate, the governor, the Roman governor, had them executed right there on the spot in the church. Jesus have you heard this tragic news? This is horrible. And their implicit question there is, why? Jesus, why did this happen? Why did these good people, these were good men, they were doing what God commanded them to do. They were worshiping, they were sacrificing. And they were killed. Well, Jesus doesn't offer a lot of comfort here. He comes back and he says, breaking news, did you hear about this other headline that's happened in Jerusalem? There were 18 people in the neighborhood of Siloam where a tower collapsed and killed all of them. Now, we don't know if this was, uh, uh, they were in the tower, or they were walking by, but all of a sudden, Mortar cracked and stones and bricks came tumbling down. And in an instant, 18 people were dead. So Jesus is saying, not only do bad things happen to good people, but innocent people just standing around all of a sudden have buildings fall down on them. But instead of, again, asking why, and certainly instead of answering the question, why did this happen to these people? Jesus says, ask them a question. 
Do you think that these Galileans were killed in the temple or those uh, folks in Siloam who were killed in the tower collapse, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans or all the other neighbors in Siloam because they suffered in this way? And Jesus said, I tell you, no. It's not why. We have the exact same problem today, the exact same issues today. In lieu of Christmas cards to everybody in the congregation uh, every year, uh, my wife and I, we make a donation to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital in Memphis in your honor. And I don't have to lick all those envelopes. St. Jude's is a a pioneer. They lead the world in pediatric cancer cures and treatments, and they treat every patient for free. Their philosophy as a parent is dealing with a child who's going through cancer surgeries and radiation and chemo. The last thing they need to be burdened with is a bill. Every patient, or I should say no patient ever, receives a bill. And so we often get mail from St. Jude, and I opened an envelope recently, and there was a picture of, I'd say, maybe an eight-year-old with no hair because of the chemo, lying in a hospital bed, but he was smiling. Of course, the purpose of the correspondence is to encourage more people to donate to this very worthy, charitable uh, mission organization. But here's the question. Is that eight-year-old at St. Jude's a worse sinner than the eight-year-old who's playing on the soccer team down at Reach 11? Jesus says, no. You also volunteer here at the, with the, uh, as a chaplain with the Arizona Highway Patrol. I go to a lot of fatality scenes knock on a lot of doors uh, around Phoenix and give them death notifications of their closest kin. There was a a mother and a son who were uh, leaving baseball practice, driving home, and a car coming the opposite direction. Uh, The driver was distracted. They were looking at their cell phone. Can we say, I promise I'll never look at my cell phone while I drive? Promise me. They only crossed the center line for two seconds. It was the exact moment that the mother and son passed. Head-on collision, the mother and son never made it home. Now, was that mother and son, were they worse sinners than the mother and the son who left baseball practice 15 seconds earlier? No. Emphatically, Jesus says, no, that's not what it is. Look at all the headlines that we're seeing today out of uh, Ukraine. Just this week, uh, children, elderly, were sheltered in a theater, marked children, (laughs) and it was bombed, decimated. Well, were those people in Maripol, Ukraine, were 
those children, those elders, were they worse sinners than the children and the elderly who gathered in parks here in Cave Creek or Carefree this last week? No. Jesus says no. Well, all right, we're ready now. Okay, Jesus, we're ready for the answer. (laughs) Why then? Why did these things happen to these particular people? And Jesus responds to us with, Jesus? He doesn't answer the question. Now many, many people have made attempts to answer that question. Why bad things happen to people, particular people, not others, and all. So why, why, why? Many people have written books to try to answer those questions. Many sermons have attempted to answer that. Uh, Many condolence cards, many quiet words in a hospital room attempt to answer that big question. And there are big theological uh, answers that we have of the world is sinful and broken and, and the, the effects of this brokenness and sin just randomly reverberate throughout creation as it groans, longing for God to restore all things when Jesus comes back. Yeah. But Jesus doesn't go there today because there's always a danger when we try to answer that big question. Because what we're actually doing is we are putting God under the microscope. We are attempting, just from our own observations, to explain God's purposes. We are trying to interpret God's motives. We can't put God under a microscope. Analogy, right? We can't, as humans, possibly comprehend God. So Jesus, he's not gonna let us go there, not today. Instead, he's gonna turn the microscope around and he's gonna put it on you. He turns the microscope around to the people who are talking to him today and asking those why questions and to everyone who reads his words from the centuries after like me and you today. And Jesus says, unless you repent, you will, how many? All likewise perish. (laughs) Jesus said, forget about the theoretical and the abstract. Let's get right down to brass tacks. Here's the practical thing you need to know. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And to be real clear here, the word perish here, it means eternally. It means that there is no more time for you to speak to Jesus or to even see Jesus. There's no more time for you to experience God's love. 
there is no more hope. Perish. Now you think that being killed in church by the government or having a, a, a tower randomly fall down on top of your head is terrible? Jesus said there is something far, 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 far worse than any of those disasters. And it's going to happen to everybody. You're wondering, well, why this person? Why did it happen, this particular thing, to that particular person? He says, no, no, no. Don't worry about that. Everyone will perish unless, unless they repent. Repent, we talked about it before. One good definition is to turn around. And simple. If you're uh, going in a direction that's taking you further away from Jesus, you need to turn around. Right? Come back toward Jesus. If there's something in your life that's disrupting your relationship with God, turn around and go back to the Father. And maybe you're sitting here today thinking, well, I can't think of anything I need to repent of. It's not like I've murdered anybody. Well, examine the Ten Commandments. Great microscope to look at ourselves through. How have you done? Having no other gods. In other words, you, you fear and you trust and you love God more than anything and everything else in existence. How am I doing on that? How am I doing honoring God's holy name? How am I doing remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy? How am I doing honoring my father and mother? Which that's broader, by the way, than just your parentals, right? That is every authority that God has given to us. How do we do honoring teachers and pastors and elected officials, officers, judges, honoring those people for the office that they hold? Thou shalt not murder. Now remember, uh, or maybe if you don't know, learn this today, that uh, the Ten Commandments aren't just a list of prohibitions. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. You know, the other side of that coin of thou shalt not is thou should, right? That's, we call it exhortation, right? We're exhorted, we're encouraged to do something good uh, for God, for Jesus in this world. So not only thou shalt not murder, but that also implies that we should do everything we can to support and heal and provide for the needs of the body of our neighbors. How many times this week have we passed over opportunities that God put in front of us to help someone else? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, that's easy. I haven't done that. But that implies that I honor and cherish my wife always. And that I always encourage and support and pray for the relationships of my neighbors. Uh, thou shalt not steal. Okay, I haven't stolen anything. I'm, I'm in the clear. Ah, but that also means that we should ensure that our neighbors keep everything that belongs to them. Whether it's we fight against 
predatory credit lending or ridiculous taxation without representation, whatever it is, right? How do we help our neighbors hold on to what belongs to them? Here's the best one. I'll stop with this one because this is the toughest for me. Uh, You shall not bear false witness. Don't ever lie. But here's the other side of that coin. Not only are we not supposed to lie about other people or slander other people, but we should always, exhortation, we should always speak well of others. We should always put the best construction on whatever they've done, whatever they said, the best construction that we possibly can. Now, it's uncomfortable being under God's microscope, isn't it? We'd much rather turn that microscope around and say, why God, why God? Big philosophical questions. The only thing that really matters is we repent of our sins to receive his forgiveness. So if, there, if your conscience is telling you, is burdening you with something today, today's a great day to repent. You know, it is, it's good to come home. It is good to come home and to be greeted. It is good to come home and be greeted with love and acceptance. Every time I come home, it doesn't matter if it's morning, noon, night, the middle of the night, 2 a.m. after a, a DPS call out, my German shepherd, Elsa, is waiting for me at the door. I think she remembers, she recognizes the sound of my car. She hears me pull into the driveway and she runs to the door and she waits for me. And as soon as I open the door, the first person I see is Elsa. And it's so good to be welcomed home, right, with love and affection. And of course, by the people in the house too. But you see, that is another part of repentance. It is coming home. It is turning away from those things that hurt us and hurt other people and returning home. And Jesus is right there waiting for us with his arms open wide, welcoming us with his outstretched, nail-scarred hand, bringing us home. Jesus welcoming us with Love and acceptance and forgiveness every single time. That's why he went to the cross to pay for every one of the sins that you thought of today and all the ones you don't even realize that you've committed. To come home to the Father's house. Now, Martin Luther, pastor in the 1500s, he, he, he really emphasized uh, this idea of daily repentance. Daily repentance. It's so, it's so important. Now, I, I'm in my mid-40s, so I would guess that I've probably already lived about half to maybe two-thirds of my life on earth. It's already lived. But I don't know. I may have already lived 95% of my life 
cancer cells may be growing in my body right now. Pulling out of a driveway, I might get hit by a distracted driver. That is why every day is a good day to repent. Every day is a good day to come home. Not so that a building doesn't fall on my head, but so that I don't perish. Far, far worse. So come home today, receive that warm embrace, that welcome of love and acceptance and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.